Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. We are coaching you in the Word. We're glad to have you, all of those of you from around the country and those of you that do come on from time to time from around the world to uh, join us in Bible study. Tonight, we're talking about the plan of God in 18 verses and 10 words. The context is taken from John chapter 1. We are following up from the morning message and moving through the thoughts involved with this. We want you to enjoy it. want to uh, remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook posts, and uh, we certainly would love Great to hear to from you. you so let's uh, go into the evening uh, Bible study from 6 p.m. From this past Sunday night would have been the 23rd of October. I'll be back with you at the conclusion of the message. Be coming on and visiting with us tonight, those of you that will be listening through Mike Springston FFC podcast, through Lift Him Higher Radio, and later through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook. Uh, hi, Sharon. Good to see all of you tonight. We're going to continue with the plan of God in 18 verses and 10 words. And we're going to start tonight by making a little bit of a description about some of the scripture that I brought into play today. So um, we want to welcome all of those of you from around our media that will be joining us. I pray the word of God is ministering to you and blessing you as we study his word. So let's have a word of prayer and then we will get into the word of God. Father, I thank you for the truth. I pray that you will open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God says to us and then that you'll allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. We surrender ourselves, sanctify ourselves, and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as you hear from Jesus, reveal it. We'll receive it and release it to your people. I praise you for that. And I ask all of your many blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. We're going to begin with Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 tonight, which I mentioned this morning. We're talking about 18 verses and 10 words. This is stimulated out of John's description of Jesus Christ from John chapter 1. But before we can go into all of that, we needed to discuss the concept of uh, some of the things that Paul mentioned concerning the inner man in the book of Romans. Romans 8.16 said, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now when Paul identifies these two spirits that reside inside of man, he revealed the way to solve the problems that were confusing to him and that he was... Uh, working to process through as he taught and learned grace that brought life to him beyond the old law. This is represented in Paul's writings in the first seven chapters of the book of Romans. 
When he gets to Romans chapter 8, he now knew what was required of him to be able to overcome his outer man. That was the crucifixion of his flesh and the commending of his inner man to the control of the new man. Now Paul has struggled with that inner man during the first seven chapters of the book of Romans. He was a great Jew with respect to adhering to the things of the law, but yet there was this problem with sin that caused him to be confused. Paul found this sin to be in him. If we look at Romans 7, 15 through 21, this is what we'll find. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin. Now watch this that dwelleth in me, not that operates out of me, but that dwelleth in me. For I know, he says, that in me, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I, I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more than I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present. Now look at verse 24. For I delight in the law of God. Where is he attempting to do that? In the inward man. Now watch what he says. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. Now we would automatically capture that and say that Paul was carrying on a war in his soul. And then he said, in bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul is here speaking, not of the mind of the intellect, which is the mind, the mind, will, and emotions. But he's speaking of the mind that's in the inward man. He'll refine this thought later and refer to this mind as being the regenerated mind of Christ. Here he is saying that the body of sin is working in opposition in his inner man. Why would that be? Because his inner man had fallen. His inner man was not redeemed, regenerated, justified. His inner man was operating under the old law, in other words. That law covered, did not cancel sin. That law simply had a blood covering over it. It didn't cancel it. It didn't eradicate it. But when Christ came and died on the cross, He laid the handwriting of the sins 
and blotted them out. He canceled them. Therefore, this uh, sin that is working against the mind or the spirit of Christ, he's describing the battle that his body puts him under because he's not yet fully understood exactly how the inner man has to take control. The greatest lesson that a child of God needs to learn is how to command their inner man to join forces with the Spirit of Christ that is in us and therefore making us to become the children of God. We need to understand how our inner man must be commended over to the Spirit of Christ. Then he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's saying, in my flesh I am a miserable man. Why? Because I'm stuck in this body that is made in sin. Verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The last verse of Romans 7 has a lot to say. Paul describes the one who created the deliverance. Now, we're going to look into that more in depth when we go back into John chapter 1 and see how these ten words correlate to bring about the deliverance of mankind. Paul here has simply placed this under the names of Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the deliverer. He is the one who has died on the cross and buried our flesh in the tomb. He is the victorious one who rose from the dead and brought with him the spirit of life that Paul is about to expose in Romans chapter 8. He is the one who is the Lord over everything, as Paul defined him in Philippians chapter 2. And therefore, there is nothing in any of the three worlds that are not subject to him. So Paul says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Now think about that. It was through him that the cross was completed. And the mechanism for the forgiveness of sin was done. And the release of the Spirit was accomplished. It was through Him that flesh was buried. And it was through Him that the keys of death and hell were taken. And the Holy Spirit brought Him out of hell. And there arose the victoriously anointed Christ over death, hell, the grave, sin, and all of the things that evil had brought into being from the fall. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now Paul describes the inner battle of which he didn't understand. On the one hand, he said, I serve the Lord God, the law of the Lord. On the other hand, there is the problem with my flesh. My flesh is always an extension of my inner man. 
Now, pastor, are you sure? Well, yeah, I'm sure because Jesus said so. He said it's not what goes into the man, but it's what comes out of the man that defiles him. So what our flesh does is always an extension of the inner man. It is the inner man that has been born again, which we'll go into more later. Now, this problem of the flesh is one that Paul is about to teach us how to overcome. This is the issue, my friend, of every Christian. If we do not understand the mechanics of the plan of God to uh, make the inner man born again into a new man and that inner man to become the righteousness of God, then we are stuck with the struggle of trying to live a Christ-like life strictly out of our head. Paul here is saying, so then with the mind. He's talking about the mind of the inner man that becomes the mind of Christ. I serve the law, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, Paul has not yet divulged this new mind of a new man that is com he's coming into, which he will begin to speak about in uh, chapter 8. Now, we have the privilege, my friends, of the life that has been provided in us in the spirit world through the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. That life is produced in us when and if we are able to understand that we're not serving Him out of the intellect. We are serving Him by commanding the only thing we can control in the spirit world, which is what our inner man does. We command our inner man to come into balance, as Romans 8.16 says, that we bear witness with the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God. And it is in this commending of our inner man that we become the children of God. Now when it is produced, it is a completed work and we then are in agreement with the eternal side of Jesus Christ. That eternal side then gives us what Paul begins to teach in, the, in Romans 8 the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul later tells us that this is not death. It is not a spirit of death. Men live today. They're alive. But their lives live under the spirit of death because they live under the ultimate judgment of the lion who will judge them into their eternal judgment home, which is hell. We live, on the other hand, under the eternal judgment of the Lamb. That Lamb gives us, according to Paul, life and peace. Our inner man, then, coordinates with the Spirit of Christ on His eternal side, 
and it becomes life in our spirit. What happens now? We are operating out of the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ overrides the mind, will, and emotion of the intellect. Thereby, we are able to walk in the spirit as he is in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Do you see it? The life of an overcoming child of the king who has an everlasting nature, eternal nature, is given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, John has shown us the three parts of Jesus Christ. Here they are, the first three parts. He is eternal. Therefore, he has given us life. He is personal. He trains our inner man through the seven spirits of God, wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, and judgment. And that then brings us out of darkness into light. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then he is creator. From his creative side, which we saw first in Genesis chapter 1, when he spoke, the Holy Spirit was moved, and that Holy Spirit took the things that were without form and void and created them into six days into all of the miraculous things that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. God has already shown us this creative side of Jesus and what he would do with the thing that was void and without form. From these three now, his eternal side, his personal side, and his creative side. From these three, then we receive the next three dominant words from John's teaching in John chapter 1. We see that his eternal side gives us life. His personal side brings us light, understanding, wisdom. His creative side gives us illumination. Let's look a little bit more at that. This shows us now what the impact of the completed work of Jesus Christ has upon the believer. So when John describes him in the first three, he turns around and shows us Jesus, and then he shows us how we connect to Jesus. He shows us Jesus, and then he shows us ourselves, and said, in him is light, that came out of his flesh. In him is life, that came out of his flesh. In him is illumination. These connect with the divine side of God. And when they connected, they brought into the domain of man who would become eternal, who would become personal, who would become creator. They brought into man the ability to live life everlasting, walk in the light as he is in the light, and then be illuminated by the work of the Holy Spirit. What a great God. What a great plan has been unfolded by John. The first three expressions correlate then with the second three expressions. Let's look at it. Because he is eternal, he was able to make us life. And it was in a believer that, he, that in turn this eternal life would make the believer able to be established 
in everlasting life. And as soon as this everlasting life struck, according to uh, John chapter 3, we went from total condemnation to no condemnation. According to Paul's writing in Romans 8, we, Romans 8, we went from death unto life and that life eternal. We went instantly into peace, into the life that is in that spirit. Why? Because he was eternal. John 1, 4 said, in him was life. Think about that. In him was life. Whose life did it become? Mine and yours. From here we identify the term then. What being born again means. Our inner man, which was once steeped and ravished in sin, has been born again to know and accept no longer the leadership of evil and the fatherhood of the enemy, but the fatherhood of God and the leadership of His Son, Jesus Christ. Our inner man now changes minds. We're no longer under the mind of the devil. We're no longer thinking, doing, and acting in the natural according to our six natural senses. But we are operating by the Spirit of God. We are born again on the inside. That puts us now in position to have a married spirit. And become the children of God. Of which Paul goes on in verse 17 to say. That we then become joint heirs. Now all of the eternal side becomes ours. All of the life that's in Christ Jesus becomes ours. All of the righteousness that's in Christ Jesus becomes ours. Here is the thing friend. Everybody that's calling themselves children of God. And Christians don't understand that. Therefore, they are shook, they are struggling, they are depressed, they're under anxiety, they're on all sorts of medication, because they're trying to get this thing in an area that the enemy is still in control. They're trying to do it out of the intellect, without addressing the necessity of the eradication of the old sin nature out of their inner man. And then they're operating in opposing each other in their inner man. Of course, I told you that this morning. The Bennett Born Again Life connects man's inner man to the eternal side of Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead bodily, who was in the Godhead from the beginning. Because of his eternal side, he makes up when we get this inner man disposition that Paul said has to change into the spirit of life. Now, because he is personal, Jesus Christ, with God and the seven spirits of God rest upon him and have trained his inner man to act like God, speak like God, and express himself like God. This now comes into light. We are in, we are enlightened. We are brought into a new thought, a new way of acting. Now, Paul put it this way. He said, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think, 
by the power of God that worketh in us in Ephesians 3.20. So in response to the personal side of Jesus, the believer would be brought into light so that he could understand the power of God that works in us. That same personality, nature, character, and trait that worked in Jesus. What were they? Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, and judgment. So these things worked in us in Jesus. They now work in us because the Spirit of Christ, we have commended our inner man, commanded it to turn itself over to his direction. We now live in light. That light would expose the character and nature that uh, Christ learned from the Father and possesses and now resides in us. John 1, 4 said, And the life, the life was the light of man. This thing would rest upon us and be upon and in every believer. Now because he is the creator, he was and is able to release the Holy Spirit directly into whatever and whosoever he designates. This Holy Spirit creates in you a new heart. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He is creating in you from the void, from the old form, from the thing that was blank in God's eyes. Creating in you a new spirit, creating in you a new heart, creating in you new thoughts, creating in you new concepts, creating in you new insights, creating in you through the nine gifts of the spirit. He is creating in you. This is why Jesus said that we needed to be endued with power from on high, because it is from here that he is going to lead us and guide us into truth. The church responded to this release. And we saw that in Acts chapter 2. And the void in the inner man, which lacked the ability to see the Spirit and to hear from the direct command of Jesus Christ then, became illuminated. All of a sudden they had concepts, insights, ideas, understanding that they didn't have before. They comprehended that's what the Word of God said in John 1, 5. And the light shineth in darkness. Remember, Paul said in Colossians 1, 16, that we were brought out of darkness, saved from darkness, delivered from darkness into the glorious light of the kingdom of His dear Son. We now have a light that illuminates darkness. What is that? We are led by the creative power of Jesus Christ, who speaks to us through and by the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus' promise. The church has missed that today. We have taught against it. We have fought against it. We didn't want it. The church went intellectual. Now the church is going to acceptance and tolerance and all of the things that have totally thrown the church out of whack and in, cross, in crosswise with the truth of the word of God. Gee, the plan of God, my friend, defined in the first 18 verses of John chapter 1 and in 10 words, clearly tells us that light shines in darkness. What you did not know, he illuminates. 
He brings to your mind. He shows you things to come. This is what the relationship that was brought out of him being personal, eternal, personal, and creator. And then those three next three words, light, life, and illumination, being connected to these three words. The next thing you know, we are illuminated and we are in an interactive relationship with Jesus Christ. This is missing in the church. There's no interaction. Many people go to church. They sing two or three songs. The preacher say, preaches for five minutes. Normally, it's the same message he preached last year on this same Sunday. It's something he got off of the Internet. It's nothing that came from the portals of glory. Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost does not speak. And therefore, they go home as clueless and directionally challenged as they were before they came to church. So what happens? They grow frustrated. They don't find God. So we can clearly see now that the eternal side was correlated in Jesus Christ to life. His personal side corresponded with the light of expression, activity, and speaking. His creative side served to allow men to be able to comprehend understanding out of darkness what was being illuminated by the Spirit of God. So, whenever the Word of God said in 1 John 4, 4, that as He is, so are we in this world, bang, there it is, the plan of God. These are divine expressions, my friend, that expose where the divine plan of God is to be witnessed not only to, but to witness in, in the Spirit. The witness, of course, comes from the agreement of the Spirit of Christ and the commanding of the Spirit that is in me. I command that Spirit. To come under subjection to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. For this reason, the writer of the book of Proverbs wrote in Proverbs 20 and 27. He said that the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Oh my God. What John told us about our inner man. What Paul tried to teach us about our inner man that has gone through the ages, been overlooked, been left out of our teaching, been left out of our lives, been left out of our churches, been left out.